Hello, people of the void. Today you are listening to Fairy Tale Folklore and Fuckery. And I am so glad you decided to tune into this episode because today we have a very special guest. Hi, guys. Uh, my name is Quinn. I have my own podcast. Um, I'm really good friends with Abby. We've been friends for three years now. Uh, she asked me to come on to her podcast today because my podcast is all about Greek mythology. Yes, and we're so excited to have you here today. So, so as per usual, we'll be going over a random country this week, and this week's random country is Greece. Quincy has come on to share a little bit about her knowledge of Greek mythology and how that relates to this fairy tale, folklore, and fucked up society that we have going on right now. Thank you, Quincy, for coming on this show because we are so excited to have you. Each week, I choose a nonprofit organization from each of the countries that I talk about. And this week, because it's Greece, I have a very interesting one. So this one is called the Anna Lind Foundation. The Anna Lind Foundation is a Greek network. The Anna Lind Foundation was created to promote the spiritual, social, and cultural dialogue between the participating countries in the Euro-Mediterranean which is pretty damn cool. So their foundation is actually housed in the Library of Alexandria and in most of the Swedish institutions. And their main objective is to bring together people and organizations from the two sides of the Mediterranean, focusing on people's development through education and training. So this is very interesting, but they actually are a non-governmental organization that has over 37 national networks. And they talk about literature, arts, cultural heritage, youth, education, scientific research, and environmental and sustainable development, which is all amazing things. But they also focus on fairy tales. One of their urban nonprofit corporations is called Action Art. And Action Art is an organization that narrates fairy tales, visual art, action, and communication. It's one of its main tasks is contributing to the restoration of the social and pedagogical function of fairy tales, myths, legends, and narratives. So they bring to life fairy tales and any other amazing stories from the past. This organization has developed a smaller project called the Oral Intangible Heritage, which merits its preservation and has multilinguistic narrations for fairy tales, myth, legends from natural narrators, i.e. immigrants, students, refugees, who are temporarily or permanently in the country. So this is really, really interesting because obviously most of these cultures don't really meet, but to have one massive place uh, where all of them can meet up and discuss like each of these fairy tales and send it off to like schools or write it down in books is really cool. It reminds me of last week's episode where we talked about how refugees created stories in their native language uh, specifically for South Sudan, he created a, a whole book about his journey, or talked about his journey to classes and stuff, which is really interesting. So if you want to hear all about that, go listen to my last episode. Action Art by the Anna Lind Foundation is hella cool, and it's, it's honestly amazing how, how many nonprofits are dedicated to preserving like the oral history. Uh, specifically of all of these traditions and fairy tales that exist in the world. So today's fairy tale episode is called The Little Saddle Slut, which is actually the Greek version of Cinderella. And spoiler alert, this is very graphic 
for a fairy tale and very like brutal, I would suggest. Um, it is by Edmund Martin Gildart, if you are interested. But actually, fun fact, when I was looking at fairy tales for this session, uh, there was an A to Z list of fairy tales for Greece. And I was like, why is there so many? And then as I started clicking through, most of them were from Aesop's fairy tales. And I was like, oh, right, he's from Greece. This makes a lot more sense. The next difficult part was finding like one that was longer because each one was like a minute read. And I was like, this is not helpful at all because it would be two sentences. And I'm like, I would love to do just a sentence for my thing. However, I cannot um, because I am difficult. So here we are. We're learning about the little saddle slit. So basically, once upon a time, there were three sisters spinning flax. Um, and they said, whoever spindle falls, let us kill her and eat her. What a lovely way to start off family. But then again, Greece, you know, all they do is they have They have a lot of family drama. Exactly. So they were doing all this. And then the mom's spindle just decided to fall. And they kind of looked at her and they were like, she's our mom, we don't want to eat her. And then it fell again. And they were like, oh shit, it's time to eat her. So then the youngest child was like, oh, please don't. Like, I don't want you to. You could eat me instead. Which, for what reason? Like, I don't know how old they are. I don't even know what flack is. But I'm just saying, like, why would you? I guess because it's your mom, but still. So she tried to sacrifice herself, basically. And the other two sisters were like, absolutely not. We are going to kill our mother. And so they killed her and cooked her to eat it. And as they sat down, the youngest was, like, still in pain and everything. And she was like, please just eat me. And her sisters were like, no. So she sat down on the saddle, get it, haha, and wept and unbraided her hair and everything. And then every single time they told her to come eat, they wouldn't. So they just kind of left her alone. So because she sat on this little saddle, every single day they would call her the little saddle slut. And so this poor youngster gathered all of her mother's bones together and buried them underneath the grate, which is terrifying. But what's worse is that she smoked them every day with incest for 40 days. That sounds disgusting to me. What about you? Why would they smoke her? I don't know. Like maybe a cow, maybe a pig. But your mom? Yeah, that was just so gross. I feel like it's unnecessary. Very much so. But after these 40 days, basically, she lifted up the stone and saw rays of light, which is crazy because it's like, you should expect like bones or dust or ash or something. But no, she lifted up the stone and found a gorgeous dress like Cinderella's in the Disney movie. And not only that, but she found so many coins. So basically she became rich and pretty all of a sudden. After she found all these things, uh, her sisters were talking to her and they were just like laughing at her, making fun of her and stuff. But she didn't tell them what she had. So instead of going to a ball like in the Disney film, she instead went to church on Sundays. On that particular Sunday, she got dressed, washed up, put on this beautiful gown and brought all of this gold to her church. And everybody couldn't stop staring because she's a princess all of a sudden. And then she would just hand out her money to all the poor. And then the crowd would just leave her alone. And then right after church, she'd go home and change and go back, sit down on her saddle. Well, the sisters were like, why didn't you come to church with us? You should have seen this gorgeous woman. And she was like, oh, sorry. I was just, you know, doing our, doing our chores over here. She kept doing this like every Sunday for the next couple months. But then one day, the king's son out of nowhere decides to follow her first off stalker creepy instantly joe from you on netflix but second off it's like how did you know where she was coming from and where she was going 
like, isn't that really weird? Because, like, if she were in the woods and then she had to go to church more in the town, how do you know where she lives? Men have their ways ew. to get what they want. <laughs> That's all I could think about. That's so gross. That's true, but ew. But basically, he saw her, and that Sunday, as she was leaving, of course, like every classic fairy tale, she leaves her shoe. And then he was like, well, now i got to search for her. So he went around in search for her. He came to her house. And then her sisters were like, go try the shoe on, because maybe it'll fit you. She was basically super offended because she was like, ew, I'm covered in filth. Why would this pretty shoe be put on me? And it doesn't make sense because it wouldn't fit anyway. But secretly, she totally knew that it would fit and she'd definitely be in trouble. Then the prince came and said, like, please try this on. Again, her pride was getting in the way of it because she's like, you're making fun of me, which, you know, makes sense. It sounds true. She tried on her shoe and, of course, it fit. And they lived happily ever after. But in this story... This story tells you a little bit about Ever After, which is kind of scary, because after she got married, she had a child, and when she had this child, her sisters came to see it, and while she was alone, her sisters decided to sneak up on her and throw her into a chest, and then throw her into the river, which is insane, and as the river flows, she went all the way to the desert, so I don't know, from New York all the way to New Mexico, basically, and then an old woman was there, and she was like, oh, cool, great, I can use this for firewood. But instead of just throwing it at the fire, thank God, she decided to open this chest and saw the princess was in there. The princess got out and decided to start walking around and stuff. She was just praying to God that no one would hurt her even more. After she got out, all she could hear was the wolves and the bears and the beasts, and she was terrified, of course, as anyone usually would be. Um, and she prayed to God to give her a hole and that she could just climb into and never hear them again and he did and then she prayed again and she was like can I actually get a bigger hole because I'm still hearing them and I don't like this so then God granted her that and then for the third prayer he gave her a cabin with all she ever wanted in it so I'm assuming gold jewels servants food most likely because you've been starved for like couple days or so. One day, her prince came into the wilderness, but she didn't know that yet. And he saw this beautiful cabin and he was like, hmm, let me check this out. So he decides to knock on the door. And then when she got up and saw him and she knew it was him, but she was going to play dumb with this one. And she let him in and they were just had a lovely little conversation, got him some food, got him some water. And as the meal's continuing, the prince decides to hide a spoon in his shoe for some reason. I'm just, like, continuing to read it as I go down, and it's just making less and less sense. Yeah. Like, Why is there it a spoon in his shoe? Yeah, no. This story keeps getting more and more confusing as we keep going. And they can apparently talk. We're just mixing all fairy tales. Mm -hmm. But all of these spoons can basically, like, talk, like, in Beauty and the Beast. So when she said, like, is everyone accounted for, there was one spoon that shouted out I'm in the prince's shoe and then of course she heard that and then she acted like she didn't hear that so he has to admit it so then he admitted to her that he stole the spoon and he was blushing of course because he just stole something from her and he ended up she ended up being like lol I'm your wife dumbass and he was like oh my god what happened to you and then they just talked about it and then they went back into the town because everybody obviously probably thought she was dead. And 
As soon as he made it into town, the prince gave orders for his wife's sisters to be brought before him. And once they were, he said, off with their heads. And they lived happily ever after. So we have three stories today in which people get cut up into pieces. Pretty much. And you know what? It works out because that's usually what happens in these stories, right? Mm -hmm. So for our folktale today, we are talking about just how Greek myths were made, like the beginning of the world and everything. So this one's really exciting. Uh, Again, Quincy knows way too much about this stuff, so she gets to describe it all, and I'm the commentator. He also created Uranus, which was the sky. It's very similar, right? Mm-hmm. You'd say yeah. there's always a lesson to learn in anything you hear or read. Yeah. Exactly. For folktale today is the creation of the world as how the ancient Greeks had saw it. What they thought had happened was there was a blanket of just nothingness called chaos that was just disorder and darkness and there was nothing else around. And he eventually got really, really lonely, so he decided to create Gaia, who is... Mother Earth. They kind of all lived together in harmony for a while until Chaos decided that they wanted more to happen on the Earth. So he convinced Gaia to seduce Uranus into having sex with her. And then that brought around children and all these different beasts across the Earth until we eventually got to humans. Uranus thought himself as, as the king of the world and wanted to overthrow it entirely. He threw his kids, the hundred-handed ones and the cyclopes, into Tartarus so that they could never escape, never come back out because he didn't like who they were. And he left everything out to the Titans, and the Titans were like the predecessors to the gods, so they would own different uh, areas that they would kind of have. Uh, Zeus was the god of the sky, Poseidon as the god of the sea. And wait, I know the last one, and Hades is god is the underworld. underworld. Before them, we had Pontus was the god of the sea. Prometheus was fire, and he would give fire to the humans eventually. Atlas would eventually hold up the world on his shoulders. The Greek gods came into being was the Titans overthrew Uranus, which you guys will hear later on in the fuckery tale today. Cronus and his wife decided to have some kids. When he saw these kids start coming out, there were six of them. These six uh, children were Hestia, Hera, Demeter, Hades, Poseidon, and Zeus. What Cronus would do, you're going to love this. Cronus, after each of his kids were born, he commanded his wife, Rhea, to bring him the kids so he could inspect them. And the first time he saw the first one, he was very scared. He was, he was like, this is the future. This is going to overpower me. I must get rid of it. So how else do you get rid of a child but mm. other than eating them? So he Perfect. would eat his children whole. Because they're the Greek gods, they don't ever die. So they just kept growing up inside of his belly. Now came around to the sixth kid, and Rhea finally got smart and decided instead of presenting Zeus to Kronos, she was going to present to him a rock. Kronos decided, yeah, that's fine. I'll eat the rock. So he eats the rock. He's so smart. So smart. So smart. How does that trick him, though? You know, I I just think he was in a rush. He just... Gobble yeah. it down, you know? Just scared. Makes sense. Rhea decides to ship the actual baby to an island far away from Kronos where he could be raised by sea nymphs and nereids to uh, grow up and be the savior of his siblings. 
So eventually when he comes of age, which is like 13, 14 years old, he joins the court of Kronos to serve him. Eventually poisons Kronos because he was his cupbearer. Mm-hmm. And this poison had Kronos throw up all of his siblings. Yeah. Ew. And then all of them in unison fought Kronos, chopped him up in the same manner that his father was chopped up, Uranus, and threw his body parts uh, across Tartarus so he could never come back out. So do you think, like, the Greek gods would do that to Zeus, too, since it's, like, a father-son curse type of thing? Zeus has too many kids to have one of them (laughs) come back and uh, relinquish the throne. But, I mean, it's definitely possible. I I don't think Zeus is too all-powerful than all of the other Greek gods. Yeah. Also, my other question was, how do you think Demeter, like, got rid of him? Because all she really can do is, like, make, create plants and stuff Mm -hmm. and bring forth of that. Well, okay, I hate to bring in this reference, but have you ever seen Sky High? No. Okay, so it's this movie about all these teenagers with superpowers. Oh, no. (laughs) And one of their superpowers, one of the girl's superpowers is just, like, vines and plants and shit. Isn't that... From the DC universe? That's Poison Ivy. Two yeah. different things. But doesn't she do that too? Yeah, Poison Ivy also does the same thing. But, I mean, you can always use vines and everything to strangle people, but yeah. she helped, for sure. They all helped. After they overthrew Kronos, Zeus freed the hundred-handed ones and the Cyclopes and helped them build uh, Mount Olympus. That's such a interesting story for how the world was created. Mm-hmm. I wonder if like the Greeks still believe this. I know there are people out there now who still believe in Greek mythology, but I don't know if the entirety of Greece believes it still. Yeah, I wonder if they just see it as like a legend that exists. Probably. So because she knows all about Greek mythology, today she'll be talking a little <laughs> bit about our fucked up story, which is all about the birth of Aphrodite. And I know what you're thinking. Aphrodite is usually so beautiful and so gorgeous what could have possibly made her the main character for our fucked up story today well quincy's about to tell you a little bit about it yeah so aphrodite uh most people know her as the goddess of beauty and sexual desires and pleasure and really just this symbol of what women should be in men's eyes but her birth is unlike any of the other Olympians. You hear from the other uh, 12 Olympian gods and goddesses that they were either born from Kronos or they were born from one another, whether it's Athena by uh, Zeus's severed head or something like that. Uh, but Aphrodite is kind of unique in the way that she was not born from either the Titans or the gods. So she is her own lineage. Her father is actually known as Uranus, and Uranus is the god of the sky. He's basically the Titan's dad. Her mother is just the ocean, and I'll talk to you guys a little bit about that later on, but basically Gaia, Uranus's wife, was uh, really fed up with Uranus because She had given birth to three sets of children. The first set of children were the hundred-handed ones, and then her second batch of kids were the cyclopes, one-eyed men, and then... I always thought they were called cyclops. Cyclops is just a singular one. And then her third batch of kids were the titans. And we know the titans mainly from Rhea, um, Kronos, Atlas, Prometheus, uh, those big names there who were 
the predecessors to the gods. If y'all don't actually understand anything she's saying, that's totally fine. You could honestly check out her entire channel because it's completely dedicated to Greek mythology. Yes. So I highly suggest that. Gaia got fed up with Uranus because after her first two sets of kids were born, he threw them down into Tartarus because they were so ugly. They weren't up to his standards. He hated his kids. But the Titans he was fine with. But she got really uh, fed up with that and told her children to make a plan to overthrow Uranus. Mm-hmm. Well, Kronos, the youngest of her 12 Titan children, said that he would take it on himself and decided that he was going to lead this attack. Basically, all you need to know about the attack is all of the siblings got together, overthrew their father, and cut his body up into small pieces and strewn it across the earth. One of the severed pieces of his body kind of like arced across the sky and landed in the ocean. This severed member was Uranus's penis. So his penis <laughs> flies across the earth, lands in the ocean, and when his blood mixes with the water, it created sea foam. And out of this sea foam came Aphrodite. So she was literally born from... Uranus's dick? No, Uranus's dick. <laughs> In the ocean. Uh, And that's how the goddess of beauty and pleasure and sexual desires came to be. She was born out of a nutsack. That she was. Tune in next week for another fairy tale, folklore, and fuckery episode.